Hello, I'm Toby. A friend has chosen a Doctor Who story for me to watch, and we both have to choose our favourite things about it, but I won't know what they've chosen till the end. Welcome to Happy Times and Places, a Doctor Who episode commentary podcast with me, Toby Haydock. Hi, Toby. Uh, it's Simon Guerrier here. I've chosen for you The Even of the Daleks from 1967. OK. I'm not playing this time. Well, apart from the episode. So press play on Evil of the Daleks, episode six, in three, two, one. Now then, this will mean nothing to you, those of you who are listening, <coughs> but those of you who are viewing may go, hang on, he's got changed, and he looks a, a bit older. No, I mean, hopefully I don't. Um, it's a... And, and episode seven will be back to the night that I did Evil of the Daleks. I would like to say there was a technical problem with my recording of episode six of Evil of the Daleks, which starts with the game of trains, which I think is brilliant. Uh, it is a rather amusing little game. Unfortunately, the commentary when I listened back to it was neither amusing nor informative it i have a habit i think and we'll watch this as a verbal tick if i say yeah and, that, and that's interesting because that means i'm buying myself a bit of time to say something and in the case of episode six to say something that wasn't remotely interesting at all quite a lot so when i was reviewing it for technical reasons largely because i don't like listening to the sound of my own voice although this may sound uh contrary to what this whole exercise is about uh, but my own voice to me sounds like nails on a blackboard scratching out the words you sound like a git um but that's one thing but actually i kept saying mm, this is really interesting and then saying the least interesting things possible for 25 minutes so i've done the unprecedented thing unprecedented this is only the fifth story i've done of re-recording this episode if it's, doctor who has a history of re-recording things that haven't worked very well so that's a bit of context uh to why uh for the video i look a bit different the the listener would be uh completely unaware um but you'd have been aware of the original episode six it was really tedious unlike episode six of evil of the daleks which starts brilliantly um, and I love this and I've talked through it and it's a shame. Um, but uh, hopefully uh, that that giving you that context was important uh, and we can catch up now because this is the Daleks playing trains. This is an absolutely brilliant idea. These Alpha, Beta, Omega. Well, one, it gives us a brilliant anecdote from Roy Skelton that he often trotted out, which was when he was... Uh, Beta, uh, he had a line to say something like, Alpha, what is happening? Or, or some such. Uh, uh, and instead he said, What's it all about, Alpha? Um, which uh, apparently made some people laugh and some people cross. 
Um, but um, depending on how, how he was framing the anecdote, but uh, it's a great story and a good line and a good gag. The idea that the Daleks, who have been played by school kids in the playground, generations of school kids in the playground, the idea of giving that to the Daleks to do is a wonderful, grotesque parody of the influence that they had had on children and now the very children that they have influenced um, uh, 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 dictate the way that these humanised, infantilized Daleks speak which I think is really creepy it's a really interesting idea apparently Terry Nation didn't like the idea at all he saw them as cold, purely evil creatures of menace but a great way to make that really spooky and really creepy is to upend it it's to turn it on its head the gas mask child is another a sort of you know a, a parody of of childhood is a terrifying thing because we equate childhood with innocence and we equate the daleks with you know cold extermination so to hear them speaking in that childish way is quite charming but then when you think about it it's very unnerving and I'm, I like Terry Nation. I like his sort of comic strippy sort of approach to writing that he does. And he does sort of these great epic space adventure type things. But I think David Whittaker really knew how to do really interesting things with the Daleks. And Terry Nation, dare I say it, if he didn't like uh, the evil of the Daleks, Daleks, the humanized Daleks, I think he... And it's possible to create something and then to get it wrong. I think he misunderstood... So an important element of his creations and no, none of us are immune to that i've run a comedy club for 23 years i i resisted some of the 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 the, the booking policies of it when when some other people started to help me with it work there and actually i i had to eventually realize that i was wrong and that these things that were being done actually gave it a new lease of life and helped with its longevity so just because you come up with something doesn't mean you necessarily know the you know the best way to handle it that's all i would say when it seems counterintuitive to say the man who created the daleks perhaps didn't always get what what worked best about them i think i think david whittaker what he does with the daleks makes them much more interesting they're so cunning in power of the daleks and then here he he takes everything that we know about them uh, and well for certainly these three daleks and he has them playing trains which i mean i don't think i ever played trains but it's obviously it's a it's a sort of playground game and that's a wonderful thing to do this is yeah um maxtable has some odd moments in this episode that i'm not sure i've quite got my head around uh oh the other thing that i've been able to do because I've revisited this, I do like the dynamic between these two characters. They they both go on a bit of a journey. I th- I th- I think Maxtable might go on a journey to Hamville, but I don't know. Uh, uh, Goring was a good actor, um, and I think he he gives it all he can. Uh, and actually, you know, Maxtable is absurd. He thinks you can turn base metal into gold. Um, and that the Daleks will help him with that. Um, and there's this lovely wounded dignity to John Bailey's uh, 
John Bailey's Waterfield. Ooh, and they have a bit of a scrap. Oh, yes, he shouts he shouts murder a lot, I seem to recall. I, I wonder what this scene would have looked like. I've no idea. Um, but what I didn't talk about throughout the whole of the... Uh, the, the commentary was I, I alluded to the fact that this was repeated but I never mentioned that when this was repeated after episode one of The Wheel in Space he's got scary eyes um, uh, there's, there's a voiceover in episode one so the version that I heard the soundtrack I had was um, I, I'm talking through Maxtable going a bit bonkers here uh it yeah he was a good enough actor to get away with it he was also a a, a rich enough actor to have um given it quite a lot and it does sound like he's giving it quite a lot he shouts murder 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 quite a lot and then he shouts doctor 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 quite a lot but he has got a nice traveling bag um it's an old medical uh medical uh leather case i like that um, so Evil of the Daleks episode one, the one that I had the soundtrack is, is the one with the voiceover from, uh, Patrick Troughton and Wendy Padbury. So she says something like, you know, so what are these Dalek things? And he goes, oh, well, they don't come into it yet. Cause of course he says, I'll, you know, I, I'll weave at the end of Wheel in Space says, I'm going to weave this into a story for you. So, uh, <laughs> and I think I mentioned before that yes, the, uh, the idea that his life is a series of of television adventures. On episode one of my holiday, uh, I, I enjoyed some sightseeing. But just before the commercial break uh, of my meal, um, <laughs> um, but so it's, it's weaved into the continuity. The, the the repeat is not just you know it's not just at the end of Wheel in Space that he goes. Here's a clip from even the Daleks, and and then it's just on telly next week. Actually, the following week. They went to the effort of having a voiceover from Troughton and Wendy Padbury to weave it into the narrative, you know, at the end of Wheel in Space uh, and, and to act as a segue between that and, and Dominators, which starts with Zoe going, oh, I don't like them Daleks. Um, so that's, uh, you yeah, that's a really unusual thing. It's, it's sort of like, it's a bit like the, 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 you could, the quick, a clip show now where a, an episode of a series will go, do you remember when we did that thing? And then there's a five minute clip of them doing that thing, which was just a previous episode. Well, this, we had a seven week story and quite right too. It's glorious. Um, so yes, the verbal tick we need to look for for me as well as saying verisimilitude and beguiled. Uh, is that if I go, yeah, it's interesting because um, that means I don't really think it's interesting. I'm just trying to think of something interesting to say, uh, which is odd because this is obviously this, is, you know, this is the explosion of the house. This is a massive moment. You know, this is where we've spent a story's worth, really, of adventure with Terrell and Ruth and uh, and Molly, but in, in the house. Uh, so the idea that we've blown the house up, uh, it's still there. It has a lovely restaurant. Um and are moving on to the next part of the adventure feels, you know, suitably epic, um, especially as this takes us to the planet Scaro for the first time since. Oh, she's lovely, isn't she? Since um, since the first story. So I think if you were a young viewer of Doctor Who, you know, this really felt like it was a pretty important development um 
and I think, and again, Chris Chris Thompson's design, because that's the other thing I didn't really talk about enough in episode one, is that it's Troughton and Jamie in the swinging sixties. It's you know, it's it's uh, it's a, a, an unusual uh, an unusual mix, and because n- not much of this story is set in the sixties, that that episode one is a thing to be cherished. Actually, Troughton and Jamie in the coffee bar with the music that will have been in itself quite unusual. I know. The faceless ones is in the sixties, but it's in a but it's in an airport, so that's the that's the hook. Um, uh, so so this is this is really an epic, but unlike the chase or or the keys of Marinus, you know, where there's a sort of lot of changes of location, they're you know they're sort of quite cursory and broadly drawn sort of episodic interludes, whereas this. This really feels like they start in one place and there's a mystery and then they go back in time and it feels like it's going to be this period drum with the Daleks, you know, oddly out of place. And then they start doing this oddly out of place thing. I still, the idea of the Daleks as 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 children is, I think, is gorgeous. But then, uh, you know, that adventure is left behind and the Daleks sort of leave everyone for dead. They want to blow the house up. But we escape with them and come to Scaro, where we first met them, where we haven't been since uh, since their first adventure, also a seven-parter. I do like Je- Kemmel and Victoria have a lovely uh, have a lovely relationship. I think they're very sweet. Oh, and the model work, yeah, we've got tantalising bits of this this model work. Uh, oh, and yes, there's quite a lot of it. Uh, in caves on the in this and this or on the the cliff face on the uh, the edge of the city which you don't really we don't really remember because we remember the the bits in the house we remember the bits in the dalek city takes quite a lot of time to get there and what's worth talking about and what what i that the only bit where i i think i said anything of much consequence on the first take of this um was talking about the Emperor Dalek, where I, uh, and what I'm going to do is at the end. So, so to prove that this isn't me cheating, so that I can choose a different favourite thing, I'm going to go back in time at the end of this and go back to the original recording, so you can you can see and hear what I chose the first time I did it. So I'm not revisiting this in order to choose something else. I love the image of maxtable with his top hat with his leather medical bag with that long coat looking every inch the sort of victorian gentleman in a space corridor between two daleks were they mocking him then he's going right right And of course, this is because he's, you know, he's a big actor and a big character. The fact that they're completely unflustered by him, and in fact, quite, were they quite mocking of him then, and quite bullying of him? This is, you know, so you. On the one hand, we've got the childish Daleks, but on the other hand, they are cruel. They are evil, and none more so than 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 in the way that they treat their. I mean, obviously, foolish. Um, ally but uh, they're not phased by him at all there's no uh, you know they can use guile but when they don't need to they can just be pretty harsh 
Was that what... I need to check that that's what he was doing when he was saying you have no... Right, right. I'd not forgotten they'd done that. That's really unlike what you, what we what we see Daleks do normally. I almost want to rewind that and do that again. Ha <laughs> ha! Uh, that is the difficult thing with this, is because I've got to keep it interesting by keeping gab, 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 gab. It means I do run the risk of missing bits and I'm, I'm having to use my prior knowledge of these adventures uh, as as I talk through them oh and because this this has been recorded after I've released some of my first ones and, and too much information my you know rather fastidious history of episodes of Doctor Who which take a lot of research and putting together these tracks are I come into the story with what I got in my head and what my friend has said about them and that's it uh so for better or worse because otherwise i would just spend all of my time uh revising doctor who and i've you know i've got to earn a living uh i've got to walk my dog um but yes the the interesting ah interesting alert but this is interesting there's a thing we don't know or do we this may have been cleared up um i meant to look at gavin rymill's uh website to give you the address I might, I might put it as a as a subtitle and and maybe as a as a as a post credits thing on the on the audio uh, to direct you because he's done so much research about daleks and i think there's something about dalek irises in is it this episode where you see a black iris in the dark oh there's one where you see a black up but this is a recreation black iris in a dalek for the first time but as i say that's that's all gavin's area but we've discussed gavin and i whether the Emperor Dalek is in the studio. Roger Bunce, who was one of the cameramen on Evil of the Daleks, uh, the CGI recreations of the Dalek City in this reconstruction are great. Uh, and I love that set anyway, so they've got good stuff to work from. Whether the Emperor Dalek, who we see at the... Oh, and there's another... Maxtable with his 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 legs uh, crossed, sitting on the floor. That's a really spooky image, bathed in the light, like uh, bathed in a pool of light. That's a really spooky look. And again, it's we think of this as a sort of battle battle hewn epic, but actually, it's got some really strange that that mixture of the historical and the futuristic is a is a clash that is unusual. And it's it is that great Doctor Who thing. Never mind the Yeti on, Yeti on your Lou in Tooting Beckett's. The Yeti on your Victorian Lou in, in, in Tooting Beck is even better. Um, but but Roger Bunce, the cameraman, says that they he was disappointed as a studio cameraman. Oh, that's great as well. The Dalek coming out of the darkness. Again, this is just a reconstruction I'm watching, but they've done such good work on it. Um, the em Emperor Dalek... I can't see anything that's really upsetting and unsettling. Um, the, the Emperor Dalek, according to Roger Bunch, they were... Oh, oh yes, that's an off, off... I will get to this point about the Emperor Dalek, but I keep being interested in what's going on, which is good, because uh, the previous take of this, I just said, um, a lot and watched. Uh, believe me, if you think I'm, I'm taking a long time to get to the point, I, I didn't get to a point last time, I don't think, or it took me 22 minutes. Um, but yes, a lot of this happens off screen. So Maxtable's just gone off into the darkness. They use darkness really well with this. So we heard all that screaming and stuff. And Maxtable was off, off. And now Victoria's off. It's, she's not in darkness, but she's off camera. So they're using 
they're using what we can hear um but not see and that's always terribly scary because your imagination does the work it's a very nice trick of scripting and direction that but listen roger bunce the cameraman said that they were disappointed a studio cameraman because remember studio cameraman would not have been at the film studios in ealing um that the emperor dalek set was not in the studio it was it was according to roger just at ealing uh and if you look at the telesnaps, there's no telesnaps of the Emperor in episode six. So you can't, because sometimes you can tell from the quality of a telesnap if it's if it's filmed material or if it's the studio. Not always, but you can. There is a there is sometimes a, dis- a difference in quality. You can tell. Uh, but we've got no shot of the Emperor from episode six, and apparently that starts in darkness and the light blinks on to reveal. That will have been the most amazing thing in doctor who ever i uh, wish we could see that um and if we could it might clear up whether the dal it's less important but it's a nice thing to think about as to whether the dalek emperor is just on film or not now gavin suggested to me that um there's a publicity shot of victoria deborah watling in front of the emperor where his hosiery is differently placed the the sort of pipes and things coming out of it is differently placed from how it is in the in the cine footage that we have of the Ealing Film Studios, so that's a suggestion that there's a different, there's a different set of the Emperor that is in the studio that didn't quite marry with the film. But I've also read that the Victoria photo shoot took place at Ealing, although uh, Gavin suggested, I think it was Gavin, or somebody suggested that that because I know Simon Gurries look Gurries looked into this as well. There's a suggestion that. Deborah Watling wasn't a dealing at the same time the Empress stuff was filmed. Well, she might not have been filming, but there's no reason she might not have been separately called for a photo call. I don't know. There's enough doubt. It it may have been solved now definitively, but last time I looked and thought about it, uh, there was enough of an element of doubt that we've got another sort of little Doctor Who mystery to solve. Is the Emperor Dalek in the studio? brilliant big amazing set or was it just used in in film sequences um and the fact that they went to all that trouble to build this amazing prop uh that is actually you know in 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 really in one episode um and of course there were different props built as well because they blow one up which is a lighter weight balsa wood one so then there's the element of well what you know what were the pipes on that different to the pipes so we have different emperors we have different filming days they they went back and refilmed extra stuff so there's enough mystery there look there he is and he's got the great voice as well it's the slightly more booming voice now on this recon we don't get the lights blinking on but i believe and he's got those flashing lights along his crown i think you saw those first and then the lights came on we meet at last i wondered if we ever would and I just think, I mean, I still, I would love to see this. Um, and of course, this, this, this ties in with what I was talking about with episode one of, of the Doctor doing all his deduction to actually lead him into a trap. He's been working on the whole human factor thing and the whole Dalek factor thing, this nebulous sciencey thing. And he's gone, aha, but... I've got these Daleks. I've given them the human factor. I've 
I've done what you wanted me to do, but I've double-crossed you because I've beaten you and I don't care what you do to me now. That's the second Doctor. Absolutely. I, I've done it and I'm you're probably going to do something and I don't care. Sort of childish. It's obtuse. It's intelligent. It's calculating. But it's also got this weird sort of innocence about the way it is phrased and delivered this childlike thing. But actually what has happened is the Daleks have the last laugh as far as episode six is concerned because the human factor shows us what the Dalek factor this is the confident swagger about the science science that doesn't really mean anything human factor and Dalek factor but the consequence is that your discovery doctor is going to enable us to do the thing that we want to do so you're partly responsible for this nebulous thing uh, is uh, oh and there's there's the light blinking on the TARDIS oh maybe it was the light blinking on the TARDIS I may be wrong there um, but maybe a lot of things are in darkness and the light comes on there's a lot of light and dark uh, and that's the first time we've seen the TARDIS since episode one as well so it really feels like an epic sort of coming together and that Oh, and I know, and I'm going to sort of slightly spoilerize the ending because I scrabble for things to choose for episode seven, which, you know, in, in, in terms of chronologically, I haven't done yet. But in real life, I have because this is a re-record of episode six, um, is that I don't choose Dudley Simpson's music. And Dudley Simpson does great work throughout most of D Doctor Who but I don't, I'm not sure his music's ever one of the best things about the story he's almost too, too, it's like good lighting in the theatre it's so good you almost don't notice it his score for this is epic and discordant and this perversion of the Doctor Who theme that has the sense of uh, you know encroaching doom about it but also grandeur and it's a beautiful score um, and I don't choose it uh, and I don't choose it for episode 6 either because as I said I was not going to cheat. I'm going to go back to the past where I did my original, very boring, quiet at the back. God, if, if that one was boring, if, 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 judging by this one, if that one was boring, it must be really awful. Uh, look, I wanted to do you a better one than I did. So I've done it again. Uh, and at least I... Oh, and the other thing was, I was chomping on a naked bar. I've got to be careful how I phrase that for the because because which which was fine for the video but for the audio it sounded awful because just just doing that and you know, on the video it looked fine i was chomping on a naked bar you've got to watch the grammar there as well because obviously if i if i was chomping naked on a bar that would have been fine for the audio but awful for the video but uh, it sounded so not only was i being boring i was being boring whilst eating something and it's like i mean could have been doing anything i could have been noshing off a hamster from from what it sounded like i wasn't um so it was slightly ignorant in the fact that i was chomping away and also it, it wasn't very good so anyway i hope that was better uh, certainly i don't think was worse uh but now we're going to go back in time to to the original track that i recorded to prove that i'm not cheating and to show you what i originally chose and would still choose with honourable mention to Dudley Simpson um, as my favourite thing. So uh, by the power of static electricity, I'm going to go into a cupboard over there and travel back in time. My best thing in episode six is the Doctor meeting the Emperor Dalek on Scaro. I wondered if we ever would, says the Doctor, as if it, this, it, 
I wonder if we ever would, says the Doctor, as if it's been on his mind for a while. And I wonder how the Doctor even knows that there is a Dalek Emperor. Has he been reading the comic strips in TV Century 21? <laughs> My best thing in episode seven. <laughs> well, we'll we have to wait for episode seven. Um, I'm doing well. This is good. I think I've got three out of six. So if I get what Simon chooses for episode seven, I've I've won. And what what does that mean? Well, the rules are are about as sort of solid and set in stone as the whole idea about Dalek slash human factor. The science of the rules is not entirely uh, 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 fully formed and what's at stake isn't entirely clear, but it's nonetheless all terribly exciting. Uh, I should be going to bed, but I, I can't bail out now. So this is the end of this episode. You're perfectly welcome to join me for the next one. Uh, uh, I might... You might see and hear from me another time, depending on what you're doing with your day slash night. But uh, I'm staying up in the inky blackness to see what happens when the Dalek Civil War begins. But for now, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Good night. Simon Guerrier, my guest, is one of those people who, once you've been in his orbit, you crave his company again and again because he's always fascinating, he's always very good-natured, and he's always terribly enthusiastic, uh, and he works really hard and has therefore produced a number of fabulous entries into the Doctor Who universe, from books to big finishes. Even he's done some documentaries uh, on the DVD range as well. So he's a master of fact and fiction thoroughly nice chap too and he's on Twitter so check him out Happy Times and Places was presented by me Toby Haydock and my special guest was Simon Guerrier with sincere thanks to my patrons John Deere Ian Key Jenny at Blue Box 99 Richard Byatt Paul Carrington James Gould Joe Llewellyn Nathan Moore, Nick Temple, Apollo C. Vermouth, James Blackett, Michael Dennis, Tim Dickinson, Pete Dylan Trenchard, Christopher Joyce, Andy Kitching, Pip Maidley, Russell Parker, Monsieur Poirot, Paul Shields, David Spencer, Sidney Trote, Alistair Wallace, John Williams, Pascal Zierker, Peter Adamson, Peter Crocker and Sidney Wilson. Please go to www.tobyhadoke.com for more. And don't forget to rate, thumbs up and generally be nice about this podcast everywhere you possibly can. It's easy for you and it helps me and I'll be very grateful. You can support these podcasts and any other of my broadcasting endeavours at patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock and ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydock. Patrons get special goodies and advance releases and, of course, my eternal gratitude. Don't forget to subscribe to the official Toby Haydoke YouTube channel. 
Evil of the Daleks is available from the BBC as a narrated soundtrack. Episode 2 is available on DVD as part of the Lost in Time collection.